Hey, Cole, you're pretty. And this is relevant because... Well, because this week, unfortunately, being pretty is going to get you killed. Ooh, that's exciting. Yep, and I'm going to tell you all about it in this week's film, Killer Workout. Welcome to Second to Die, the horror fiction podcast where we talk about lots of things. And sometimes horror. And sometimes horror. I'm Cole. I'm Max. And this week, I'm talking about the 1987 movie, Killer Workout. Originally, the title of this movie, which I will say it a lot, but I cannot emphasize enough how stupid this movie was. And I had really high hopes for it. But the original title of it was Aerobicide. But that's so good. Why did they change it? I'm not sure. And I'm also not sure when they changed it. Because the opening credits still say Aerobicide. I mean, okay, if someone does not get killed with a sweatband, I will be disappointed. That does not happen. At all. Spoiler alert. Go ahead and let me know I'll be disappointed from the (laughs) get-go. I mean, I already told you this movie is so stupid. I'm not 100% sure what possessed me to do it, other than I was kind of feeling an 80s vibe, and so I kind of wanted to to watch a movie from the 80s. I had never heard of this movie before. So, I don't know. It's bad. Anyway, I am going to show you the poster for this movie, because it's going to let you know exactly what you're in store for. Okay. Okay. So, nice arms and big old boobs. Yeah, so it's really, it's a tasteful art film. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of tasteful art with breastuses. Yeah, this movie, I don't know. I wish I could say more interesting things about it, but I really can't. It has a lot of really, the soundtrack is great. Yeah. Okay. That has this really good 80s vibe through a large portion of it, and that's pretty entertaining. The music is wicked. Like, the opening credits music, it is, like, synthesized 80s music. Like, when I first saw the opening credits, I was like, this is going to be so good. Yeah. And when I saw those closing credits, I was like, this was so bad. Oh, boy. So, it was written and directed by David Pryor. None of these people really did anything great, but they were all in or involved in a lot of sort of low-budget movies. Yeah. So... I'll go through the cast of characters, then I guess we can talk about this movie. So, the main character, if there is one, her name is Rhonda, played by a girl named Marsha Carr. Then there's a cop character named Lieutenant Morgan. He's played by David Campbell. And then, really, there's only three other characters you need to know. This Uh guy, Jimmy, he's played by Fritz Matthews. I just laugh because Fritz, as a name, really just makes me giggle. I don't know why... I just think it sounds weird. Also, my mother, when she was growing up, had a dachshund named Fritzy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just wasn't expecting it to go that route. Yeah. Uh, so then there's this guy, Chuck, who's played by Ted Pryor. Who Ted Pryor, he's been in a couple things, but not anything big. He is a bodybuilder slash actor. He's the guy on the poster that I just showed you. With the nice arms. Yeah. So he And he really does actually look like that in the movie. He's like pretty built. And then my favorite character is Jamie. 
spelled J-A-I-M-Y. No shade to any of you who spell your name that way, but shade. But I'm just going to call her Jamie with a Y. And she is played by Teresa Vanderwood, which is her real name has like the duchest of the Dutch spellings because it's three words, Vanderwood, and Wood is W-O-U-D-E. So I appreciate that. Jesus. Anyway, I don't really have like a lot of interesting trivia around this because it, it's unlike some of the other stuff I've done. It's not this cult classic or this movie that spawned a huge following or anything like that. It was just kind of a fun thing. And there are some good moments in it. So it is worth doing, but it wasn't my favorite. Anyways, let's just talk about it for a second. And I'm going to get into what happens. So it opens up with this girl that you cannot see her face through the entire opening sequence. Okay. Almost like it's done on purpose. But she goes to her apartment and... I think she's supposed to look fashionable. It's hard to tell because this is the 80s, you know. So I think she's supposed to look fashionable. And she goes to her fridge and she pulls out a drink. I don't know why I found this funny, but it made me kind of cringe because she grabs this bottled drink and it looks legitimately like those bottles of the unfiltered apple cider that you get at the store. So it, I'm really thinking this girl just pulled a bottle of apple cider out and is like taking sips of it. So that was making my mouth pucker. And what is wrong with taking sips of apple cider? Oh, I'm sorry. Apple cider vinegar. Oh, okay. Yep. Nope. That's, yeah, that, there was a very important word missing in that sentence. Yeah, sometimes, like, my brain just doesn't work, right? Yes. It's it's just one of those times. I'm aware. (laughs) Anyway, so she's chugging down apple cider vinegar, which they do say is good for you, right? Yes. So then she checks her answering machine, which... For our younger listeners, is a giant metal box that saves voicemails. And <laughs> oh my god, I feel so old. <laughs> my parents still have our answering machine from when I was a kid. It's in their house. My parents still have a landline, but you know, my mom runs a business out of the house, so that makes a little bit more sense. I wonder if there are messages on the answering machine. Can you imagine? All right, okay, so she checks her answering machine. There's a message on it basically telling her that she got this modeling gig. She's going to be a star. She's doing this Cosmo shoot or something like that. And she has to go to Paris. So clearly she's excited. Yeah. So she's like all thrilled. So she's going to go out and celebrate. So she decides to go tanning. I guess that's what you do. It's the middle of the night, but she goes to the tanning place, which is open because this is a movie. And so she goes tanning. Also, like, late 80s, I feel like that into the 90s was, like, the height of the... Tanning craze? Of the fake and bake. Maybe. To be honest, I don't know. I was way too young back then to even consider going tanning. I was also super goth, so it was like... I really was really going for that super pale, translucent look. There was no way I was tanning. Well, I grew up in Florida, so I never really knew when that trend ended, because it's still alive and well in my hometown. Yeah, that's true. Okay, anyways, so so she's going tanning. So she gets into this tanning bed and closes it, and she's tanning, and then, like, all of a sudden, the tanning lights start to flicker like something is wrong, and then they, like, are... It is the weirdest, like, most unbelievable cheesy scene. It starts to, like, pulse like a strobe light, like it's, like, there's a disco going on inside, and then you just see these, like, giant special effects sparks. Well, they're, I say special effects, they're real sparks, but it's clearly, like, somebody set them up to spark, like, way too much. Yeah. Like, no malfunctioning machine would spark like this, 
It's like when somebody would hit the Enterprise or something. Did you watch Star Trek? Well, just imagine. I've seen like two episodes. It's like when somebody would hit like the Enterprise in Star Trek and, and on all the, the sparks like would fly everywhere. It's like outrageous. And then I'm laughing about this. This is horrifying. And then like fire like erupts from inside and starts like spewing out the sides of this tanning bed. Oh, like spewing out the two ends. Is it like the hot dog? It's not the hot dog one. It weirdly enough, I've never seen a tanning bed shaped like this, but I thought maybe it was an eighties thing. It's like a squ- like a rectangle, like it's perfectly rectangular. And so there's the two ends, but there's also like the side that you would get in anyways. Yeah. So there's just like fire every. I mean, it looks like I don't even know, like a grill or something that's just like got fire coming out, and you hear screams from inside. Well, yes, because she's on fire. Yeah. This and one thing I'll note about this movie from what I read online, although I'm sure somebody could be very quick to correct me, but I believe this is the first movie to do sort of the tanning bed death scene. Ooh. And then obviously it was redone in Final Destination, I think. And then maybe I know what you did last summer. And many, many other things. So anyways, so then it just kind of cuts out. It doesn't really say anything. It doesn't show anything past that. Needless to say, at that point, we can only assume that she was too tan for her modeling job. Yes. So, fast forward to current times. How current? We don't know. There's nothing to suggest how much time has passed other than it's now daylight. And we're at the gym. And the gym is called Rhonda's Workout. That is literally the name of the gym. I mean, presumably Rhonda owns the gym. Rhonda does own the gym. A strong businesswoman. (laughs) Well... Yeah, she's a strong businesswoman, but the themes of this movie do not really support that. And you'll find out why in probably about 10 minutes or so. So anyways, we're at that gym and it is like full-blown 80s inside. It is, I'm talking leg warmers. I'm talking giant hair. I'm talking spandex bodysuits with leotards over them. Neon colors. Neon colors, headbands, all that. There's synth music popping. It is just like... This nonstop montage of aerobics classes with, like, great music. But anyways, oh, there's also a couple guys in the class, but they don't matter. And you can only see them in wide shots. The close-ups are just, like, you know, boobs and butts and bangs. So anyways, the scene is interrupted so that we can meet the character Jamie. Jamie with a Y. Jamie is supposed to be teaching the class inside, but she's running late. She gets out of her car, obviously late, and she accidentally drops her purse and literally, all that falls out are five condoms and a tube of lipstick. So, Ooh, yeah. a modern woman. So, she's got, like, her priorities straight. Well, sometimes you have to reapply after. And if you don't need to reapply after, you're doing it wrong. Okay, so, she's also wearing basically the same type of thing. The bodysuit leotard. But she's also wearing, and I'm going to show you a picture of it. It's the only other picture I'm going to show you during this time. Oh my god, I'm so excited. She is also wearing red heels. Oh boy. I mean, that's a look. That's like a, that's a look right there. Usually when people say something is a look, that's a good thing. Love bug. That That's not. If you saw some girl wearing this, you would think that she was cool. No, I would think, oh honey, no. But can you imagine working out in heels? No, I really can't. I've walked in heels. No, I can't. No, mm-mm. Firm pass. I just feel like it adds a certain level of balance that would be difficult. Now, 
granted, in this movie, the girls only do aerobics. The guys lift weights because they're they're men. Exactly. But the girls only do aerobics. But even aerobics in heels, that just seems real difficult. Yeah, no, that sounds like a real good way to twist your ankle. Yeah. Anyways, I just, I was like living for her outfit. And at this point, I'm actually thinking this movie is great. Like this movie is right up my alley. I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I, I kind of like the 80s. I like that vibe when it's done well. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> anyway, so the movie drags on for a little bit. And at this point, it's already been 10 minutes. So it's like, we need a shower scene desperately. And so the movie is like, I got you. Don't worry about that. Well, it isn't a gem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even think that's necessary at this point. It's also like 1987. So, and we're just going to show everyone in the shower. So anyway, so we get to a shower scene. And it's this random girl. She's not really an important character, although she's very pretty. And I'll give her her props because her acting was fantastic, I guess. Anyway, this scene is horrifying. And let me tell you why. Because this girl gets into this gym shower. And you know how gyms have that sort of gym grade soap with the square soap dispenser? Yeah, with the button and you like pump yes. the soap out. She uses that soap on her face. Oh, no. Yeah. It elicited an actual physical reaction from me. And I was like, am I just too gay for this? No, honey, no. Get actual face wash. You deserve better. Like, she doesn't love herself. I mean, you know, I have dry skin. I was cringing at this moment. I was like, oh my God. Is she, she like lather, lathers it up on her hands. And at first I was like, you really shouldn't use that soap. It's not very good quality. It's going to dry your skin out. And then she goes for the face. And I was like, oh. <gasps> So then, like, she gets murdered shortly after that. But to be honest, I was like, well, that soap was already murdering you. <laughs> but her murder her murder scene is only worth describing because I have to tell you that it's done in this way that I don't know if they're trying to evoke Psycho but because it's a shower scene and it's this hand raise scene. But instead of holding a knife, it's holding this giant safety pin. Not giant, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. It's very big. Like, you can hold it in a fist, but it's still probably only, like, four to five inches long. But it's a safety pin. Like, you can tell that it clips in and clips out. Yeah. So they raise it up, and then the killer starts jabbing her in the shower, like, puncturing her with a safety pin. But it's, like, a fucking safety pin. So it's not really, like, killing her. And I'll just reiterate at this time that this is not a horror comedy. But this was unbelievably stupid. So finally, after a bunch of little pricks to her body, and little pricks to the body are never a good thing. Oh, boy. <laughs> finally, she gets the safety pin in the neck, which does kill her, as you would expect. Yes. Okay. So that's done. Immediately afterwards, Jamie with the Y is there. She's closing the gym up. She... I'm only mentioning this because, you know, Jamie's my girl, she goes into the boys' locker room, opens up the locker of one of the guys who works there. His name is Jimmy. He's kind of a creepster. Takes out his jock strap and starts fondling it. <laughs> and I mean, she has no respect for privacy, but I can understand her energy in this moment. Oh. And clearly we have similar tastes. Mm. Yeah. But unfortunately for her, that fun time is interrupted by the dead girl falling out of one of the other lockers. How did the dead girl get from the ladies' shower to the men's locker room? 
They don't show it, I don't think, but I believe the killer is just assumedly to have moved her. Oh, yeah. This movie, the killer is... There are no fantastical elements to the killer, but you have to suspend your disbelief a lot for some of this shit. Okay. Anyways, moving on. So then the police get there. There's this really dumb character named Lieutenant Morgan. He's like a tough-as-nails cop. Uh, and he's talking to Rhonda about the murder in her gym... And Rhonda's response when he's, like, asking her about it, she has this sort of shocked thing, or I think what this actress was trying to portray as shocked. And she just says, she was so pretty. And, I mean, I get it. It is always more tragic when pretty people die. (laughs) Oh, boy. I really hope people get your humor. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I should point out that I have a very dry sense of humor. And if I say something and you think... Oh my God, what kind of an asshole thinks that? It's probably not that I think it. It's probably just my sarcastic humor. Okay, moving along. (laughs) Please don't email us about that. (laughs) Anyway, so they think originally that it's this girl, Diane, because she goes to the gym. Also, the girl's body fell out of Diane's locker. But like, what kind of an idiot killer would stuff a body in their own locker? Also, is it a co-ed locker room? Because remember, Jamie with a Y was like having jockstrap fun time. You know, I didn't even think about that. I think that's just a plot hole. We're just going to ignore it. Anyways, let's move on. That is the least of this movie's problems. So after all that, there's another montage of workouts. But this time it includes sweaty bicep guy workouts. Ooh. Because we're introducing the character Chuck, that guy who is also a bodybuilder in real life. And so you get to see a lot of his, I mean, he's like literally like obviously spray bottled down. So he's glistening like for the gods and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So also, let me just point out that some of the dialogue in this movie, it is not just bad. It is like straight up like porn quality because they introduced to this character, Chuck. And then, of course, the girls are like ogling him. He's new. He's like a new guy working at the gym. He basically is like tells Rhonda, your silent partner sent me here to look into things or something like that. He's talking to this girl and like she she asks him stuff like, wanna go for a ride? In her little like wispy, airy hooker voice. Not there's anything wrong with that. We support sex workers. But the dialogue is just dumb. And then like when they get to her house, she's outside and she's wearing a cover up, like those kind of like robe things that girls wear over bathing suits and stuff. And he's like, Okay, well, I got to get back to the gym. I got lots to do. And she takes the robe off and, like, it's just a close-up of her, like, gigantic boobs. And is like, you got a lot to do right here. I mean, it is legitimately, like, porn. So, wait. I'm having a really hard time following this movie. (laughs) And I feel like that's a part of why you keep saying it's so bad. So... She takes him home and changes into this robe while he's, like, in her living room having an iced tea. No, I'm sorry. This conversation happens outside. She does that and then, I guess, comes outside and he's outside. I really don't know. They just cut to these random scenes. It literally is almost like they took a B porn movie and spliced it in with a B horror movie and are like, it works. It's art. Oh, boy. Also, that's not, it's not important or relevant at all. Like, the fact that that happens, I think they just wanted to do a close-up scene of her boobs with that cheesy line of, you have a lot to do right here. It just, like, literally doesn't matter. 
This movie just doesn't matter. That's the theme. Oh boy, keep going. Okay. So anyway, so they kind of think that that girl Diane did it, but she ends up getting murdered. So obviously she didn't. I'm not even going to talk about how or why. It's just really stupid. Then there's this scene where three kids go to spray paint the front of the gym and they spray paint the words aerobicide on it. And that was where the original movie got its title because I guess that's the kind of thing that punk kids would spray on a gym because somebody got murdered there. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. And then they also spray paint the words death spa on it. Which, side note, Death Spot is actually the name of another horror movie that came out two years later in 1989. Is it a sequel? It is not a sequel. There are some people that said it pulled ideas from it. The synopsis of Death Spot is, Customers at an exclusive fat farm are haunted by a force which turns exercise equipment into deadly killing machines. So it's not a sequel because it's a supernatural movie. I'm also not super sure about the use of the word fat farm. Probably problematic. Very. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so those three kids are all killed with safety pins, except for the last girl. She's killed with a knife to the head in one of the stupidest scenes. She's, like, trying to figure out how to turn her car on. And she's in a convertible with the soft top up. And the killer is, like, stabbing through the top of it to try to get her head. And this scene goes on so long. Instead of, like, trying to get out of the car... Or, like, just, like, turn it on real quick and run away. She literally just keeps dodging back and forth like she's a boxer until finally the killer gets lucky and hits her. And uh. then she dies. I mean, it it was so dumb. So, at this point, honestly, killings happen very, very quickly. Like, people are just getting killed left and right. There's a guy in the gym. He gets bludgeoned to death by a dumbbell. Another guy goes up to check on him, and then he gets safety pinned right through the forehead. Which, do you know how much force it would take to shove... Even a sturdy pin through somebody's skull. Like a lot of force. Maybe it's a really sharp safety pin, okay? I mean, it would have to be so sharp and you'd have to use so much force. Whatever. I don't know why I'm even complaining about things as small as that about this movie. So then there is also a random dream sequence about Tommy the Creeper guy. And basically the only point of it is they show more boobs in the dream. And then shortly after that, my girl Jamie with a Y is found... Hang to death in the gym. So, no more Jamie. Aw. No. And this is where the movie takes a very, very sharp downturn. And I know what you're thinking. How does this movie get worse? Wasn't this movie already pretty bad? Oh, no. This movie was great up until this point. I wish the rest of this movie was as good as the first half of this movie. (laughs) I thought we were already at rock bottom and they just pulled out a jackhammer. All right, keep going. Mm, Yeah. I don't know if they ran out of budget Or if the screenwriter was just like, I don't know, had a mental break or something. But it is noticeably worse from here on out. And so I'm really just going to quickly summarize a lot of it. But there is still probably over 30 minutes left of this movie at this point. Oh, Jesus. Basically, Chuck and Jimmy get into fistfights because they're both toxically masculine dickbags. Chuck thinks Jimmy is the killer. The plot completely falls apart. Then there's this little scene cut in where it's this back shot of this woman and she has no hair and a burnt scalp. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. It must be the woman from the beginning. And she puts a wig on and she turns around and it's Rhonda. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's why Rhonda was like, she was so pretty. Is she just killing the pretty girls? She is killing the pretty girls. I guessed it. <laughs> 
So at this point, Lieutenant Morgan is starting to suspect that maybe it's Rhonda who is the killer. So Lieutenant Morgan goes to her house and is like, I found out what all the victims had in common besides being members of your gym. And Rhonda's like, oh, did you? And he goes, yeah, they were all pretty with perfect bodies. And then he says, you used to be pretty, didn't you? Which is like rude. Fuck you. Oof. Oof. No, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to recover. I wish a bitch would. That's how you die I mean, in a wh- horror movie. I would have just killed him right there. You used to be pretty. Mm-mm. So then she has kind of a meltdown. Oh, by the way, the girl who was burned, her name was Valerie. And he's like, I know your real name's Valerie. And she's like, I legally changed it. And then she has like a freak out where she... I don't really know why she does this, but she rips her shirt open to expose her, like, burned boobs. But they're very clearly just, like, regular nice boobs with this, like, flesh-toned oatmeal-y makeup special effects on them. But, like, they still jiggle and stuff. And so she, like, flashes him and is like, is this what you wanted to see? It's, like, really intense. Oh, boy. So anyways, Rhonda gets all up in arms offended because he's accusing her of being the killer Even though, spoiler alert, she is the fucking killer. So it's like, don't get too offended. I mean, I'm pretty sure she's just projecting her rage. Again, at the comment of, you used to be pretty. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's unacceptable. I mean, I don't care how many people you've killed. You do not deserve to be called that. Everyone is beautiful in their own way. And I, this is not a joke or sarcastic. I really do try to see the beauty in people, and you shouldn't call people ugly. That's just that. Anyways, unfortunately, there is no twist in this movie, but we still have like 20 minutes of this movie left at this point. Maybe even more. It is dumb. And I'll mention this, that at this point, the great like 80s music and workout montages, they're gone. Like, we don't get those anymore. It's just the cold, dead silence of this movie's shitty plot. (laughs) So, there isn't a twist... There is the only one random thing that I haven't mentioned about the plot is that the creepy guy, Jimmy, he's obsessed with Rhonda. He actually did kill a couple of the people because he had figured out that Rhonda was the killer also and was setting himself up to take the fall for her for all the murders because he was in love with her, which makes literal zero sense. Yeah. Also, if she only used to be pretty wouldn't have happened so go eat your fucking words asshole well now that's the detective who said that to her i know (laughs) i know Uh clearly (laughs) she is still beautiful so go fuck yourself detective you can cut all of this i'm very upset by that line everyone is beautiful i mean there's it it just goes to show there's somebody for everybody but that's not what we see here if you're a burn victim it's okay killers will still love you Well, he wasn't a killer until he was trying to help her out. He became a killer for love. That's devotion right there. I mean, I would not kill people to take the fall for you. I would help you hide a body, but I would not. Like, because then if he takes the fall for her, they're not going to be together. Yeah, I just, like, there's, just bake me cookies. Wait, where do we go? How do we go from hiding a body to baking cookies? Signs of love. (laughs) I like food. (laughs) Oh my god, you really do. Okay, so anyways. So, then Lieutenant Morgan is still convinced that the killer is Rhonda. Because it is. So, he takes her out to the woods. 
like it's this weird scene where Jimmy had been killed by this point. I'll just throw that out there by the detective. And so Jimmy basically told the detective I'm the killer and then the detective kills him. So then you think it's all over. And then the detective passes by Rhonda and is like, get in the car. And she's like, where are we going? He's like, just get in the car. And it's like, if you don't have a warrant, you do not need to get in that car. But anyways, so she gets in the car and he drives her out to the woods. And then he's like, get out. She's like, where are we? And he's like, just get out of the car. And so she does it. And then they're walking into the woods. He's holding a shovel at this time. And he's like, where are we going? And he's like, don't, I'll let you know when I get there. And it's like, girl, there are so many warning signs right now. But she's not really an idiot. She knows what's going on. So she lets him give this really dumb speech about his dad and like, blah, blah, blah. And then she knows he's going to try to kill her. So she kills him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then after she kills the detective. Which he deserved because he called her ugly. I 100% agree. After she kills the detective, we're basically at the end of the movie. So we get one final little workout montage because that is literally the point of this movie. And it doesn't quite make up for the 30 minutes of garbage we just had to wade through. But it was a nice try. So then the final scene of the movie. So Rhonda walks into the gym and for some reason, all the people working out clap for her. I don't know why. And she smiles. Then she goes into her office. And the last shot of the movie is Rhonda sitting at her office. And it's her... Like playing with her keychain, which has this giant safety pin on it. And then she looks at the camera and smirks and then it fades out. And I didn't get it because I was like, is this supposed to be a surprise twist ending where we're like, oh my God, Rhonda's the killer? Because they had already told us multiple times that Rhonda was the killer. So (sighs) what the fuck killer workout? So all in all, basically, we're just left with the message that Girls will kill girls that are prettier than them. I don't know. This movie was awful. (laughs) I don't even know what else to say about it. Yeah. The thing is, like, I usually try and have some sort of quippy thing to say when you finish your movies. But that just sounds really shitty. I'll say this. You should check the soundtrack out. If anybody has any interest in this movie because of all the 80s things I've said, just listen to the soundtrack and maybe look at some still shots. But do not watch this movie. Oh, my God. Do not watch it. Yikes. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, rarely do I say that a movie is so bad it's not worth watching because I love bad movies. That's why I was so disappointed in this. You love movies that are so bad they're good. Yeah, that's true. Anyways... I normally would love to like talk about what I thought like things meant and stuff, but I just don't think this movie deserves it. And I've already talked about the only things interesting. So let's just move on and you tell me what you're going to talk about. All right. So this week I'm actually going to do a book that I was very excited about. Um, I'm doing Mallory by Josh Mallerman, which if that name sounds familiar to anybody, this book is actually the sequel to Bird Box, which I feel like everyone has heard of. Yes, I agree. And I read, so I'm excited about this. Yes. But here's the thing. As far as what does and does not get edited out, because I'm still going to tell you everything that happens, I don't necessarily want to spoil it for people because I know that it's a book that got a lot of hype and I know that a lot of people are planning on reading it. And it literally like just came out, like July just came out. So I'm going to try and focus more on my impressions about it. So it's going to be more of a review in the style of 
people can listen to it and then still enjoy reading the book. Yes, exactly. The only scene that I'm going to talk about in detail is the prologue scene, which is like 10 pages and it is the first 10 pages. So I feel like I can do that and that's fine. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, because I always do, let's talk about the cover. Uh, even though the cover is not like exceptionally lurid or anything like that, I actually really love the cover. Um, it's just a face with a blindfold and reflected, for lack of a better term. And the blindfold is just like a forest scene. Should you go into it at all or just briefly say why she has a blindfold? Is that going to come up in this? Because there may be people who aren't familiar with Bird Box. True. Let's talk about Bird Box really briefly we can talk about the book we can talk about the movie and then i can go into talking about mallory so for those of you who don't know though the movie is on netflix you can go and watch it it's not the worst bird box is like a post-apocalyptic story where these creatures appeared on earth and if you look at them you go insane and the main character who's played by sandra bullock i love her is raising two children. If they go outside, they have to have this blindfold on so that there is never a chance that they will even accidentally open their eyes and see one of these creatures and go insane. And basically the plot of the book and the movie is that they leave this house that has been their safe house because Sandra Bullock's character and the main character in the book has discovered that there is like a safe place where people have built a community. So they travel, travel. It's very stressful. And they end up at a school for the blind that is basically set up to be completely self-sustaining. Okay. And I'm sure you're going to talk about this. Mallory is after or before all of this? Mallory is after. Okay. Mallory is after all of this. But before I like really like talk about Mallory... I actually loved Bird Box, the book. Like I said, the movie, like, it wasn't bad. I just tend to be that the book was better than the movie person, uh, with the exception of The Devil Wears Prada. Well, I liked the book, too. I am not the book is always better than the movie type of person. But in this case, the book was a thousand times better. I thought the movie was super disappointing. I didn't think the movie was unwatchable. And actually, Sandra Bullock is great in it. But the book has a lot more suspense building, and they added weird things into the movie that just didn't make sense. But this is not a review of that movie, so let's continue. Yeah. Well, I one thing that I guess is kind of relevant that I liked about Bird Box is, like you said, how intense it was. It is probably the only book that I have read that literally had me holding my breath at certain points. And I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. But let's talk about my thoughts on Mallory instead. (laughs) So we'll start off with the blurb. 12 years after Mallory and her children rode up the river to safety, a blindfold is still the only thing that stands between sanity and madness. One glimpse of the creatures that stalk the world will drive a person to unspeakable violence. There remains no explanation, no solution. All Mallory can do is survive and impart her fierce will to do so onto her children. Don't get lazy, she tells them. Don't take off your blindfold. Don't look. But then comes what feels like impossible news, and with it, the very first time Mallory has allowed herself to hope. 
Someone very dear to her. Someone she believed dead. Maybe alive. Okay. Bum bum. There's more to the blurb. The blurb is like three times as long as that. I'm not going to waste a minute and a half of somebody's time. Sure. But I will go ahead and talk about the prologue. Again, I'm doing it in a pretty decent amount of detail. Because not only is it just the opening scene, but it's also really just like a setup for the rest of the story. So it's not like I'm giving away a twist or anything like that. So it opens two years after Mallory and the children, in case anyone has forgotten, like I certainly had, the little boy is named Tom and the little girl is named Olympia. It starts two years after the family arrives at the school for the blind and Mallory starts to hear shouting. And when she goes out to look, she sees a woman named Annette who is blind and she has gone insane. Hmm. So I guess that's sort of a twist, but not really. Also, that's like on page one. Uh, and so she has gone insane. And so Mallory immediately theorizes that now the creatures are touching people and can cause madness through physical contact. And so not only does she put on a blindfold, but she puts on gloves and a hoodie and like grabs the strings and so that it closes over her face so that none of her skin is exposed. She just makes that conclusion all by herself. Yes. Like immediately. That's a little bit of a leap. It's a little bit of a leap. That said, I mean, that's how she survived through the first book was by being abundantly cautious. True. So she finds where the kids are. Neither of them have like seen or touched a creature and they escape out into the world and they run away from the school for the blind, which I guess is how they fix the almost too tidy ending of the book and the movie where it's like, okay, you're at the school for the blind happily ever after. Yeah. So fast forward 10 years where a majority of the actual story is going to happen. They have been living in an abandoned like summer camp. Like there's cabins, there's separate cabins. And for anyone who is as bad at math as I am, the kids are now 16. Okay. And so Tom, the son, because he's reaching his teenage years, he is getting extra rebellious. (laughs) And so they fight all the time because he thinks that he can invent something that will allow people to look at the creatures without going insane. And he thinks this because he's just the smartest teenager ever. I think his rationale is... I grew up in this world, so I have a much more grounded, less panicked view of it because it's all I've ever known. Oh, man. So I think he thinks that, like, he can come up with an invention because he's not, like, hung up on how things used to be. So he can think of things as a new normal as opposed to trying to get back to how it was. Maybe. This is never explicitly said. I'm completely theorizing the mindset of a 16-year-old, which is never a good idea because you're never right. He just sounds kind of like a jerk to me. Yeah, he's a little douche the entire time. Okay. And then you have Olympia, who is the daughter of one of the other people that was staying in the house with Mallory. Yes. I had also forgotten that. 
I've read a lot of books since Bird Box. <laughs> and Olympia is basically the opposite of Tom. She does everything Mallory tells her. She's very quiet. She's very well behaved. I personally love her because she loves to read. The camp apparently has like a small library and she has read all of the books in it. Like you do. Yeah. Like Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. But any chapter that's narrated by her, she hints at having lots of secrets. (laughs) That's why her hair is so big. Exactly. It's full of secrets. So much like the blurb says, Mallory learns that someone from her past may in fact still be alive. I'm not giving away any of the story by saying that they venture out to try and find this person, because if they didn't venture out to try and find this person, there would not be a driving plot. Yeah, that's fair enough. So much like the prologue where I gave away the first 10 pages, I feel comfortable saying that they go on a quest. Things that I liked about this book, because I'm just going to, from here on out, I'm just going to talk about my impressions. Things that I liked about this book, it's very interesting because Mallory is still living the exact same way that she did in Bird Box, with the exact same extreme level of caution, regimented daily schedules and tasks, which is smart and probably how I would do it. But what's interesting to me is throughout the course of this book, you meet a lot of other characters. And so you learn other ways that people have adapted and other ways that people have coped. And also you learn ways that people are trying to innovate and build society in this new normal. Things I don't like. And there are many. (laughs) Okay. There are a lot of flashbacks from Mallory's childhood that I honestly don't feel like do anything. Also, the tension isn't as good in this one. There are some points of pretty high tension, but for the most part, there's really not. And it made it read more as like a dystopian novel than a horror novel, if that makes sense. Yeah, are there... Still, I'm assuming there has to still be encounters with like the beings and stuff. Yeah, but they're far fewer and far between. Yeah, I mean, because to be honest, those are the best parts of the first book. Because in the first book, those scenes are really well written. Like you actually feel suspense. I mean, you feel, I don't even know how to say other than like anxiety about what's going to happen. You feel, that is a perfect way to put it. I was so anxious the entire time I was reading that book. And so much of that book takes place while they're traveling and are completely blind because of their blindfolds. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this book, there are so many scenes of like conversation and stuff like that in closed off rooms. So you still get the occasional like, oh my goodness, I can't see, but something's going on. But you don't, it's not as consistent And I think because it's not as consistent, it's not as powerful. That makes sense. Because part of what made Bird Box so amazing is she's blindfolded from page one to the end, basically, except for flashbacks. And it's unrelenting until the very, very end. And you almost feel the same relief that Mallory feels when she finally gets to that school for the blind because finally she can see. Yeah, I could see that. 
It's kind of disappointing a little bit with this, but was there other stuff you didn't like? Not really. It's just that the things that I don't like about this are so glaring. It almost feels like a separate but related book as opposed to a sequel. I was just disappointed. I had higher hopes. Yeah, I mean, Bird Box was really good. So it's kind of disappointing. I think, I don't know, I think it's common that sequels can be a little bit of a letdown. But I think in terms of this, from what you're talking about, if the stylistic aspect of Bird Box that made it so fun to read is just not really there, I'm not sure what's going to be left. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead at this point and just spring into my rating. Mm -hmm. And my rating might be slightly controversial. I say this because so much of bookish Instagram was like lighting up with praise for this book. But I honestly, I told myself I would never give half points. (laughs) But two feels too low and three feels too high. So I'm going to give this two and a half blindfolds or two blindfolds in an eye patch. (laughs) Such a smack dab in the middle. Pretty much. The thing is like, it was well written. There were still scenes of tension. But I think so much of my poor opinion of it is just because I had such high expectations for an experience similar to Bird Box. And I had trouble detaching myself from those expectations while I was reading it. So if somebody loved Bird Box, would you say that they would like this more or less than somebody who just thought Bird Box was okay? If someone walked into it understanding that this is almost a completely different style of book, they would probably like it a lot more than I did. Okay. I was wanting like Bird Box Part 2. Yeah. What if somebody... Because people listening to this may not have read Bird Box, but so many people saw it. What if somebody saw Bird Box and read this book? Would it, would it at the very least make sense to them? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it will make a relative amount of sense. I feel like that would have been a really bad idea on Josh Mallerman's part because the movie was such a sensation that I feel like if he wrote a book that was completely disjointed from the movie and only purely applied to the book, he would lose a lot of people. I definitely feel like you could watch the movie and then read Mallory. I also want to say, as far as my ratings are concerned, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but I don't want people to think that, like, I'm a huge book snob. If you read Mallory and you would have given it five out of five blindfolds, I'm so happy that you enjoyed it that much. My ratings are purely my opinion. I speak like I feel like I have some sort of authority, but it is 100% my opinion. And also, like any good librarian, I'm happy when people enjoy books, even if I didn't personally. So I never want anyone to listen to me give a low rating to a book that they really loved and feel bad about it. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I just want to make that clear. I don't know. Probably because I am a librarian, I have this really big fear of coming across as a book snob, and I work very hard not to be. So pardon my rant. (laughs) I mean, this is all just our personal stuff. I mean... (laughs) You are a bit of a snob. If I am... I really am not a snob. If you liked Killer Workout, if that's your favorite movie, I question your taste, but I respect your taste. 
But at the end of the day, if somebody likes something, they like it. It doesn't bother me. This is really just us talking about what we personally think of things. Exactly. If I could be supportive while my mother enjoyed Fifty Shades of Grey, I can be supportive while you enjoy Mallory. That's the whole point here. Now I'm thinking about your mom reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, you didn't have to talk to her while she was doing it. (laughs) Anyway, on that note, if you were in Mallory, would you die? I would like to think that I wouldn't. I mean, you personally have seen how obsessively careful I have been during our time of COVID. Yeah. So I would like to think that I would approach the situation of Bird Box and Mallory with the same amount of care. But who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. You are, um, how do I say this? A somewhat anxious, very cautious person. So I could see you just being the type, like, I don't see you going outside without full body covering and a blindfold on. I'll just put it that way. It's a really nice way of saying I'm extremely anxious and better safe than sorry is practically tattooed on the inside of my eyelids. Yeah. Would you die in killer workout? Aerobicide? <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably not. They make this big point about how she only kills pretty people with perfect bodies. I do not see myself like that. I do. <laughs> I know you do, which is partly your job. But, <laughs> but I would say no. I mean, I don't view myself as hideous, but I think the whole point is that it's only these people with these like perfect gym muscle bodies and stuff like that. Yeah. And I just don't necessarily see myself as that. I feel like if I said yes, it would come off very conceited. So I'm just going to say no. Okay. On that note, you can find us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Goodreads at Second to Die Pod. Uh, if you do go to our Goodreads and look, I do post the book that I will be doing the next week under a currently reading. So if you want to read it in time to hear me talk about it, it will be like a book club just between the two of us. Yeah, you can also email us at secondtodiepod at gmail.com. Any sorts of questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions on books or movies you'd like to hear us talk about. We would love to hear from you. We really do appreciate you listening so much. Do not forget also to rate, review, subscribe, all of that on whatever platform you can. It really does help us and we appreciate it to know that people are kind of enjoying what we're doing because... We just kind of do this as a hobby, so... Max literally continually refreshes the feed. So if you do rate, review, and subscribe, we will notice and we will appreciate it pretty much immediately. Very much. And I promise to respond to inquiries. You can also message us on Instagram. Do whatever you want. We're pretty casual about it. Yeah, just be respectful. Be respectful. That's that's the key. And remember... If you can't be first, you can always be second to die.